Well, it feels like this has been a long time coming. Uh, my name is Larry Swinton and welcome to the Maps and Graps podcast. So long story short, I just am so excited to finally be doing this. Like, so I am no stranger to public speaking in my, I, I don't want to call it my real life because in my opinion, wrestling is real life, but um, in my life outside of wrestling, I've been a public speaker since I was four years old, TEDx speaker, activist, protest. Like I've been in front of the camera for my entire life and always involved in, you know, just trying to save the world and whatever my black Hermione Granger brain tells me to do. But wrestling has been a passion in my life for such a long time. And I've always really lacked a space to talk about it. And um, I think that, especially while I was an undergrad, um, which wasn't long ago at all, I graduated in 2020, but I was always so busy. I didn't get home until like midnight most nights because I was always busy on campus. So like my love for wrestling really kind of waned. Um, and I, I wouldn't even say even totally wane, but it was just more so like always took a back burner to everything else that I was doing. Like I didn't have the capacity to watch on, you know, weekdays and then on weekends, I'm always busy. So I never really got to get into it in the way that I would have loved to. And I was just always so busy and I was a sport and entertainment manager major in undergrad trying to get my foot in the door. And I had a great professor who would, uh, he he got me backstage twice actually for WWE shows, but that was really as much as I could do. Like, um, and that, um, and I just knew like that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Like, you know, just doing like any odd job. Um, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I knew I was still excited. And I knew that, and AEW started like right at the tail end of my college career and by then like I was already invested like in like I went to Forbes that year I was studying abroad that year like I was already getting involved in like the political scene so I really didn't have any time to really like dive in like even though I became a sport and entertainment manager major because I wanted to work in wrestling I didn't really know what was possible. Like I wasn't exposed to anything outside of WWE and I didn't know it. Like I watched a little bit of TNA when I was growing up, but a while it was on spike, but that was it. And I didn't know about like Japan or anything. So like the past year has been so crazy. Um, last year, Monday night raw came to my hometown on my birthday on my actual birthday. And so like, it was like, why not go? Even though like, obviously I, I check in for WrestleMania major shows, I check in with AEW for pay-per-views every now and then, but I wasn't a real day-to-day -day fan. So I went on my birthday last year. It was good. I went with my brother. We had a good time, but it was, you know, it was okay to see my faves, you know, like I saw Bianca Belair, who was my absolute fave, I love her, but it was just like, okay, it wasn't enough to get me like back in the saddle. And so a month later in March, actually the last day of March, I make, if AEW was coming to South Carolina for the very first time, and so I made like a last minute decision to go. And like, I got one of my friends to go with me. That was the first time I've ever gotten convinced one of my friends to go to a wrestling show. And 
that was the night that Tony Storm debuted. I had seen on my face that night. And I was like, whoa. Like, I was so just into it. But even then, like, you know, life just kept, that was around the time that me and my best friend, um, and another one of our friends, we had just launched um, a documentary called The Backbone, which ended up being really, really well received around the world. And so I was still kind of busy, but I'm trying to get back into wrestling again. And I get into, um, I start seeing these clips, like, uh, you know, I'm trying to, and I start seeing clips on Twitter and I'm trying to like understand where all this stuff is from, because it's like, one thing about wrestling is if you take any type of time off of being a fan, whether it's a couple hours or it's a couple weeks or it's a couple years, like the whole landscape has changed. And so that was around the, and around the announcement of Forbidden Door. And I remember, I'm like, man, this is cool. Like, I had always heard people talk about Japan, especially around, like, the time when AJ Styles came to WWE. Everybody was talking about his Japan run. I loved Shinsuke Nakamura and NXT. I loved um, what I saw from Kota Ibushi in the Cruiserweight Classic. I loved Zack Sabre Jr. from the Cruiserweight Classic. So, like, there's always been a part of me that had wanted to expand but I either didn't have like the resources to be able to explore the other sides of wrestling or just didn't have the time. So I thought the announcement was of Forbidden Door was really dope. But bef- but it was just announced at that point and the, all the road was leading to Double or Nothing. And I hadn't watched Double or Nothing actually in a couple years. And so I remember I saw an Eddie Kingston promo on Twitter and he was just like I um I tried to do drink my demons but I they know how to swim it was right before anarchy in the arena and I hadn't decided whether or not I'm going to pay for the pay-per-view or not but like I watched that an hour before the pay-per-view and it caused me to purchase it and I just remember I had a blast watching double or nothing and then the whole lead in leading into forbidden door i don't even know half of the japanese wrestlers or people from new japan just coming from to aw but i'm just enthralled watching tv every week like i love it um and i watched forbidden door and it changed my life like i watched and i just became obsessed and it's been really cool because i for the first time after that just started planning to go to shows to see wrestling like outside of just whenever it comes by you know my hometown of so I went on my first wrestling trip like planning to go to plan to go to full gear and I plan to go to um final battle um um, ring of honor final battle and and just all steamroll from there and like now I am well we're almost basically a year later and I have consumed an unreal <laughs> amount of wrestling and other wrestling related con- content from multiple promotions from all over the world. And um, Kenny Omega said this best of just like AEW is kind of like a gateway drug into like, you know, all these different styles of wrestling. And I completely agree because I'm just in love with, you know, just learning about all of these different styles. So that's what brought me here of just, I have been able to learn about so much beauty in the wrestling community 
over the last year of like purchasing AAA pay-per-views for the first time, purchasing New Japan pay-per-views for the first time, watching Nova shows, uh, um, not Nova, Noah shows, watching Stardom, watching TJPW, watching DDT, um, watching, you know, even older AEW content, um, Ring of Honor, uh, just so much great professional wrestling is out there all over the world. Um, and I've been able to experience some of it and I just want to share some of that love that I have for it with the rest of the world. So that's why I call it maps and grabs um, because I love wrestling and I love traveling, which I've, which actually go very well together. And so last month I, w I went to the UK and I was able to go to a rev pro show for the first time and finally get an understanding of the Brit rest scene and I love it and I would love to go again and I also am planning to go see New Japan when they come to when they come to America for their DC Capital Collision show and so plenty of other things too um, I'm sure over the co course of this podcast I will share some of my other dreams and hopes <laughs> for um, the, not just this podcast, but for my own travel journey and how I've been working on incorporating wrestling into my own day-to-day -day life, specifically my academic career, because I am a PhD student, but there will be plenty of time to talk about that on another episode. Today, I'm going to talk about the thing that's on everybody's mind and that's WrestleMania weekend. Um, so this was my first time consuming WrestleMania weekend as a professional wrestling event instead of just a WWE event. And so what I mean is like, I guess I've, I've seen every WrestleMania since WrestleMania 23. However, I don't think I really kind of grasped that when WrestleMania happens, all these other amazing shows are happening. And obviously in the midst of my, like my pro wrestling obsession, specifically over the past year, I've gone back and I've watched a lot of old shows, but I've never like really experienced it live. So I made a point that, well, first of all, I had to make a huge decision because I don't know who hates me up there, but WrestleMania weekend, Final Four weekend, as well as Dreamville weekend, always fall on the same weekend. And for me, a South Carolina women's basketball fan, a huge Dreamville fan, which I, I went to Dreamville Fest last year, as well as a huge wrestling fan. You could see how those things could all conflict. But um, this year I had planned to stay home. I had my Fight TV Plus account and all those different things. And so I just sat down and I just had like you know my laptop and my tv running and um trying to keep up with game updates on my phone sadly south carolina women's basketball loss but i've just i decided to just do the full thing of just watch all the shows and between i would say last weekend last week starting with dynamite on last wednesday up to about sunday i think i watched at least matches from at least 13 different shows and I probably still have some other stuff to go back and watch um and so I logged all of the like I always log my favorite matches into a spreadsheet um but specifically this time I did just move all the ones that were specifically Wrestlemania weekend ones to a different sheet to try to guess I guess get a grasp of how crazy I was um and 
I logged 47 matches that I liked over the course from March 28th through April 2nd. And that's kind of shameful. <laughs> but it was awesome shows up, up until a certain point. WrestleMania night two, I'm talking to you. Um, I don't even want to get into that. Just I just was so sad um, and disappointed. Not surprised. Not surprised. But very disappointed. But we're talking about the positives here. And so we have my top five matches of the week. And I'm going to put them in order by date, not order in how I've ranked them because I still don't know how I've ranked them. I just know that I really love them. And honestly, there's a lot of matches on this list that I really love, but I'm decided to just um, pick five to keep this short and sweet. Um, so going to go with uh, Vikingo versus Commander at Supercard of Honor. Oh my God. Like one booking this match the excitement <laughs> that came across i think everyone's face when when this one was booked was absolutely insane i just obviously we're coming off of that kenny vikingo match from a couple weeks ago and one you've already announced him to go up against blake christian okay um on ring of honor tv that week and now he's going up against Commander at <laughs> Supercard of Honor, the, a card that honestly, on fur, on paper, it didn't need it. It was our the card was already stacked from top to bottom. Supercard, I mean, an absolutely incredible show. No match didn't deliver. Every match delivered, um, but that match was just so special. It's just like I, I don't know. Maybe I over romanticized things, but like. It was one of those matches that remind you of the first time you saw wrestling. Um, it was like the magic was in the air and it was almost palpable. And it, the thing is, I wasn't even there in person and I felt it at home. So I can only imagine how the people who were there felt. But it's just like a magic. Like you can't touch. And it was just like, whoa. And they're doing stuff that you've never seen before. And I, I think. If you've been a wrestling fan for a long time, like I've been watching for 16 years now, and a lot of times I think you can convince yourself that, oh, I've seen it all. Like, uh, nothing really excites me. It, especially, like, there's a lot of negativity, but there's also so much positivity, too. But if you get, like, in those one of those really negative funks as a wrestling fan, I feel like you can just feel like, oh, like there's nothing else for me to see or do here. But that was one of just, like, oh, we've just scratched the surface. Like, we've literally only just scratched the surface of what professional wrestling can be, what it could look like. And um, I'll talk a little bit about my, um, elaborate on my own more feelings about that. But that match was special. And it was a beautiful exhibition of everything that Lucha Libre is and should be. And I'm really glad that that platform was being made available to such a much larger audience. Next match, WrestleMania Night One. Um, and I would like to say WrestleMania Night One slapped. Like somebody said this on Twitter, and I forgot who it is. I think I retweeted it. So if you follow me on Twitter at Lyric Wrestling, you'll probably be able to scroll down to see it. But night one was exactly like 
getting back with your ex and falling in love all over again. And night two was remembering why y'all broke up. But night one <laughs> was magic, absolute magic. And it was beautiful. And all the matches were good for the most part. However, one match clip, um, it didn't make this list from my top five, but it definitely has to be mentioned. Rey Mysterio versus Dominic was very good. Um, I loved the build to that match. Never thought that I would be a Dom Mysterio fan, but here we are. They both killed it. It was awesome. Anyway, back to my actual top five. Charlotte versus Rhea. Um, in my opinion, that was easily one of the best WrestleMania's women's matches of all time. One of the best WWE women's matches of all time, period. I believe that maybe Charlotte's best match, and that's saying a lot because obviously she's had like a Hall of Fame worthy career, but, and I think it was a star making moment for Rhea. That match was special. And I will say, I think Charlotte gets a lot of flack sometimes for whatever she does or doesn't do, depending on whoever you ask. However, when she turns it on, it is very clear that she is one of the best in the world to ever do this. Um, in addition to being naturally talented, she has a big match mentality. And I think a lot of people don't know what that is or will never be able to understand it, but she gets it. She is one of those people to where if you have her on your card and she's at a major show, she, even if she is not in the main event, she's going to give you a main event caliber match. And her presence is, I think, a lot of people in wrestling, men included, would kill to have that type of presence, you know? And, like, I feel like, like I said, Charlotte gets a lot of flack, I think, especially now with the four horsewomen of just now. I think Bailey is starting to get her flowers a lot more. Becky was the fan favorite obviously and like obvious mercedes slash sasha was always the best bout machine out of all of them like you wrestle mercedes monet or sasha banks you're going to get your best match period and i think charlotte got a lot of flack because people have always felt like she's been given a lot of things and forced in a situation that she didn't deserve which may or may not be true depending on who you ask however Make no mistakes when it came to WrestleMania night one this year, she she proved that she is exactly who she believes she is, and she is the queen. And uh, Rhea was also great in that match, but like, I just really I think I really focused in on Charlotte's because, like, I don't think we've ever seen Charlotte as a baby face being that strong. Um, and she she bumped her ass off in that match. Like, I didn't expect her to take all those neck bumps. I said, whoa, she hooping. Like, she's really hooping. Um, she was very intent on making Rhea a star that night, and that's exactly what she did. It was very much so shades of Sasha and Bianca at WrestleMania 37. Um, amazing match. Up next... Sammy and KO versus the Usos. Um, I love tag team wrestling. That's no secret. And I love this match. And man, the emotions. The emotions. I think that's just more so the thing that really carries this match. The emotion of 
one, you have Sammy who's going through this crazy journey with the bloodline with the Usos, but also the crazy journey with Roman and some people, me included, felt like he should have won in Montreal, but we know how that goes. But for him to be able to still, I think, get a happy ending was really awesome. And to do it with Kevin Owens and knowing where both of them come from, from, you know, PWG to Ring of Honor to NXT to um, the main roster to being friends, being foes, being brothers. Oh, it was beautiful. And it happened in California and they had the gorilla on their shirts. I was just crying. Like that whole, the whole night one was so many emotional moments and I'm just a bucket of tears and it was awesome. And it just reminds me, you know, it reminded it, it reminded me of like, you know, why I fell in love with wrestling in the first place is these stories. And I think I love KO and Sammy winning so much is because those are two guys that even though technically they've been in WWE a while now, they still feel they don't feel like WWE though. And I mean that in the sense of these are always in a sea full of characters. They've always felt like very real people. They come across as very real people. It's always relatable underdogs. The guy, uh, you know, and and when everybody else is being larger than life, they've always been so, and I'm not saying anything is wrong with those larger than life characters because some of them work very well. Um, But for them, they've always still felt like, you know, just two indie wrestlers trying to, you know, break into the business and take nothing for granted and I think that's what's always endeared them to the audience and it's definitely what endears them to me and I'm just so happy for them like I I, it makes me smile just thinking about it like I'm just so happy for them and their careers and uh I wasn't watching like Ring of Honor and PWG at the time like when they were in there but I I have watched their careers since their NXT debuts, both of them, and and obviously I've gone back and watched a lot of their older stuff uh, now. But I'm just so proud of them. Um, next, Drew McIntyre versus Gunther versus Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship on WrestleMania Night Two. Incredible match. I mean, that was real grabs. Like, that was a real wrestling match. And I, I feel like Gunther provides that same effect that I was talking about with KO and, like, Sammy of just, yes, he's in WWE, but he doesn't feel like WWE. And I say that in the sense of, like, when you see Gunther, I don't see sport entertainment. I see wrestling. Like, I see, oh, and not just wrestling, some of the best wrestling you're literally going to ever see in your life, like, is going to be hard hitting. It's going to be aggressive. Obviously, we know that his style had to just even just a little bit, but he's just done so well with just still coming across across as the same badass he was as Walter, you know, in WXW or you know Progress or just any of these play or just you know even in NXT UK like with the fights with um, Ilya Dragunov. He's done such a good job of still coming off as this authentic European bruiser. And I, I mean, Seamus has, and I'll be honest, most of his career, especially in WWE, I did not like Seamus. Didn't really care for him. Um, cool occasionally, but uh, I like the stuff with Cesaro, but 
never really cared about Seamus, but over the past year and a half, he's just undergone a complete career resurgence. And on SmackDown, whenever I did watch SmackDown on a regular basis, he was one of my favorites. Um, and I'm really happy for him to like finally get appreciated because Seamus has been one of the workhorses in WWE for a very long time. And um, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre for me is a lot like Cody. I remember when he debuted, I followed him from the beginning of his career. And, you know, when he left and when he came back, I um, I love Drew McIntyre. And I love seeing him at WrestleMania in a, um, in a prominent position. Because even though obviously that match wasn't the main event, that match was the match that I was like real wrestling fans were looking the most forward to. And it did not, and it did not disappoint. And I'm really happy for that. And that it was that good because I was very scared that with it being a triple threat match that people would get kind of, you know, lost in the fold or, you know, sometimes I don't like how WWE produces triple threat matches because a lot of times it just, becomes a one-on-one match with occasional run-ins and rather than a, a true triple threat match. But this one was great. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch it. Um, and I, and like, I, I find, and I will say like very few matches sometimes uh, from WrestleMania have really good rematch value, rewatch value, I say, because a lot of times I think you will get swept up in the spectacle and then you'll be like, oh, the match wasn't that great. But I will say this year I was pleasantly surprised. There are quite a few matches that I am very, very excited to go back and rewatch um, because they were really good. Most of them are from night one, but um, night two did have a few um, great matches um, with Drew Gunther and Sheamus being one, but the all other is also Bianca Belair versus Asuka. The EST retained and the longest reigning black champion in WWE history of all time. Some people are upset that Bianca retained. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Now, I do admit, like, I don't know who else she's going to face because she can't face Rhea until next year. But that's not my, my problem. And I only really watch for pay-per-views anyway. So we'll figure it out at Backlash. Anyway. My last top five match of the weekend was a match that I wasn't even expecting. I forgot that this was even happening that this past weekend. But Shingo Takagi versus Aaron Hanare from Road to Sakura Genesis. Obviously, Japan wasn't on a lot of people's radars this weekend on the wrestling wise, particularly when so many Japanese stars came to the U.S. Um, shout out to DDT as well as TJPW. Um, having great shows um, in LA over the past weekend and really showing what they can do. I can't wait to see more of them in the States. But um, the Road to Sakura Genesis show had Shingo Takagi versus Aaron Hanare in the first ever Ultimate Triad match. So the rules for an Ultimate Triad match is the winner is the first person to either uh, to pin, submit, and get a 10 count over their opponent. You have to get all three of those. You can do them in any order. Got to get all three of those. First time this match has ever happened. And so I was originally kind of like skeptical about this match. One, because it's the first match that ever happened, time it ever happened. And two, I there was no English commentary. And 
not saying like I'm one of those fans that needs English commentary. Actually, sometimes I really prefer to not have it. Uh, but I knew like most of, I think, in New Japan's like English announcers were doing like WrestleMania weekend like stuff. So that was fun. But the only reason why I would have preferred English commentary is just because it was the first time this match has ever happened. So I kind of wanted more clarification on the instructions. However, I was able to figure it out about like a quarter of the way through so you know no harm no foul but this match was immediately violent and aggressive and I just love Shingo like I just love Shingo I said this on my Twitter but Shingo and Samoa Joe are those type of people that keep a roster strong you know like they are the ones that you can put them anywhere on the card they can keep your mid card steady or they can be top guys at any given point in time. You can plug them anywhere and they can make anything a big deal. If you need a title restored to its former glo glory, they can do that for you. Uh, we've seen it with Joe, his run with the TNT Championship, as well as that ROH TV Championship, the king of television. But specifically talking about Shingo here, this match was for that K uh, king of pro wrestling title, which essentially could be meaningless, honestly. Um, but he has really turned that belt into something worth fighting for and worth cherishing. And also, obviously, I am a United Empire fan, but I've never really kind of like, you know, really honed in on Aaron Hanare singles matches. And so this is my first time really sitting down and focusing on an Aaron Hanare singles match. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I wasn't familiar with his game. But he did awesome in that match. And also, I really like this concept of an ultimate triad match. They did it very well. And I would love to see one again. I think it's an awesome way to, like, resolve blood feuds. And, like, you know, in grudge matches, I think it's fantastic. Um, that match was great. And I wasn't expecting – one, I wasn't expecting it. I, like, got my dates mixed mix, mixed up so i thought that match was going to be next weekend and i thought secured genesis was going to be the weekend afterwards but it's not oh well but so overall top five matches charlotte Rhea wrestlemania night one sammy and ko versus usos wrestlemania night two drew versus gunther versus sheamus wrestlemania night two. Oh, sorry the sammy and ko versus usos was wrestlemania night one Anyway, Vikingo versus um, Komender at Supercard of Honor, Ring of Honor, and Shingo Takagi versus Aaron Hanare, New Japan, Road to Secure Genesis. Um, and moving on to the MVPs of the week and the whole that whole Mania weekend, I'm going to give it to two people. Um, number one is Vikingo, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um I have, like on this list, I had 47 matches over from last Tuesday to Sunday that I loved. Vikingo is in one, two, three, four, five, at least five of them. Um, the biggest one stands out to me was obviously the one versus Commander. I really love the triple threat versus um, uh, Commander and Black Tor Taurus um, on March Hitchcock Memorial for WrestleCon. 
And I really loved the Blake Christian match. Like, I really loved that match. Like, that Blake Christian match um, for our um, Ring of Honor TV on Honor Club this past week was awesome. Fantastic. Dude, like, this was, and I, I said I would come back to this, but this was such a great weekend for Lucha Libre. Like, I just felt, obviously, Lucha Libre has always been here. It's always been important. But I feel like these past few weeks, specifically starting with that Kenny um, Vikingo match up to now, we've just seen this huge coming out party. And I think the seeds have started to be planted. Like, I'm just now watching my PWG Bola 23 DVDs and I just last night I watched this killer three-way match with way match with Vikingo versus Bandito versus Black Taurus. Black Taurus. Right. But you start the year off with that. Then you have obviously Bandito has just gotten to AEW. People love everything he touches. Had a killer match with Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson had an awesome match with Rouge um, as well. So you have all these great lucha you know style matches starting off the year and then like for wrestlemania weekend i just personally feel like that was a huge coming out party lucha ran the weekend um vikingo um commander laredo kid um black taurus like those were the matches that people were into even at nxt stand and deliver you see the debut of dragon lee Rey Mysterio her reforms Latino World Order with um, Legado del Fantasma, um, as well as going into the Hall of Fame, as well as having this killer match with his son, with this awesome entrance going from nothing but a G thing to Viva la Raza to Puyaka Buyaka. And it just shows you, like, and I, 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 I would be remiss to forget Conan's just amazing speech talking about how Ray changed the game and brought Lucha Libre to, you know, new heights. And I think this weekend was a reflection of that. And I, uh, going back to that Vikingo Comander match from Supercard of Honor, you could see it in everybody's eyes of just like, none of us have really seen anything like this before. Like I, it, it made me, it literally gave me goosebumps because, you know, you hear older wrestling fans always talking about that WCW cruiserweight division and our young Rey Mysterio. And I can't speak to that because, you know, I was born in 1998 <laughs> and I, you know, so much of that stuff happened while, you know, I was either not born or a baby. But you always hear people talk about these glory days of like this cruiserweight this, um, division. And I, there's another match on here that like Leo Rush versus Kushida and a lot of the work he's been doing made me think about that. Of just, I feel like we're in this, you know, this resurgence of what a light, what heavyweight slash cruiserweight can do. Um, and I really like it. Like, I really love this era and I hope that we continue to explore different styles and, of wrestling because that's what it's all about. Like, I have genuinely enjoyed um, all the times that I've gotten to explore Lucha. Um, I feel like I've been in more into, obviously, the Japan style most recently, but just every time that I watch um, some of the great Lucha wrestling that's happening these days i'm never disappointed and so i felt like this was just a great resurgence weekend definitely believe that vikingo was the king of it all um but 
he was the MVP of the week, but Lucha Libre as a whole was the MVP of the week. But my other MVP of the week is the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, Athena. Um, I've been following Athena for quite a while. I remember when she got signed to WWE and became Ember Moon and it was good. Like, don't get me wrong. It was good. It was good. But what she's on now, she's on a whole different level. Like, and in my opinion, the only champion who may even be able to step to her right now who is on her level as far as, like, you know, quality of title defenses, and I'll talk about, like, all over the globe, is maybe Jamie Hayter. We'll see after this match with Riho tonight. But last week, you have Athena going head to head with Yuka Sakazaki and and Emi Sakura back to back, like and having these amazing matches. And I truly believe that Athena is on the run of her career. As of right now, she is Women's Wrestler of the Year, and I think she's only going to get better. <laughs> which is the scary part she's only going to get better you can tell she's hit her stride you can tell she's confident and you can tell she's hungry and even in the ring of honor super card of honor um, press conference afterwards the media scrum she was talking about people she wants to face talking about mercedes talking about masha slamovich that is what i want i want that match like I came out of this weekend there's a lot of fantasy matches that i would like there's a lot of matches that i would like to see but I really, there's two specific, I want to see Alex Coughlin versus Claudio Castagnoli after watching Alex wrestle against John Moxley at Bloodsport. I want that match. But most importantly, I want, I need, I must have Athena versus Masha Slamovich. Whoever books that match, I love you. I love you now, but I will especially love you then. So just throwing that out there. And there's a lot of negatives that have come out of this whole weekend. But honestly, I really want to focus on the positive of just how wrestling makes me feel. And it made me feel so special this weekend. Like, I felt like a giddy kid. Uh, like, you know, when it was good, it was great. When it was bad, it was terrible. And I wanted to cry. But the good moments were just so good. Like, I felt so special. And it, it, if I felt like a kid again. And remembering why I fell in love with this to start with. And... It was awesome. And I just love this time in wrestling because I feel like one for fans, fans are, you know, figuring out that, hey, you can, you know, there's options. Like there were so many companies, so many different promotions, so many different like things to do this past weekend. Even if you weren't in LA, like for, and I, I'm really thankful for Fight Plus because, it was able to uh, fight plus specifically allowed a lot of people to participate in a lot of the great wrestling that was going on without breaking the bank. And it's a great investment. And there's some other, you know, high spots network and uh, it, there were so many different options. And I love that. Hey, like if you do want to just watch Lucha Libre, there's a show for that. There's a world, the world on Lucha show. If you want to watch, um, if you want to watch queer wrestling supremacy, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, they got you. If you want to watch, you know, strictly black wrestling, 
for the culture. They got you. You know, if you want to go to a wrestling type of event without actually seeing any wrestling, go to Wale Mania. They got you. You know, like there was just so many different options. Like, you know, if you want to have a weekend and not want to go to any of the WrestleMania, actual WrestleMania events at all, you just want to see other promotions, cool. There's Super Card of Honor. There's the Impact New um, Japan multiverse united show you know like there's just so many options i think that's cool and i think second is seeing talent like the talent end up exactly where they need to be like i see the great work people like leo rush is doing in new japan seeing athena in ring of honor you know you're i feel like we're in a season where we're seeing a lot of talents who kind of like you know have been a lot of places in their career People are ending up exactly where they need to be and like they are just adjusting so well and having a blast. And you can tell like I think the best wrestling is when the actual wrestlers are passionate about wrestling. And you can tell like when they are just excited about their craft and excited about what's next, it makes you excited. And it, um, I feel like it really just boosts being a fan. And so I'm excited. By the time you all listen to this, it'll be the day after Dynamite. But. As of right now, Dynamite is still tonight and I have to go to class, but I'm excited for what's next in wrestling. And I'm so excited about these next couple episodes of this podcast. I'm so excited. Like I have so many crazy, 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 crazy ideas that I can't wait to share. And so many cool future episodes that I'm working on because I don't want this to be any type of you know, one thing. Like, you know, this isn't just the AEW space. This isn't just a New Japan space or a NOAA space or just a stardom space or even like the occasional WWE space. This is a wrestling space, uh, space from all of the great styles and performers all across the world who are doing amazing things that inspire me, inspire me wanna, to want to travel more, want to work harder. And I'm just excited to explore um, these maps and these graphs with all of you. So until next time, I must bid you all adieu. I'm just kidding. I'm not Kenny Omega, but I do hope that you all have an incredible week. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter at Lyric Wrestling, and you can follow me on all other social media platforms at Lyric Swinton. But until next time, bye. Thank you.